Welcome to the Heme Consult Podcast, a weekly inspiration infusion for women of color and hematology. Dear woman of color and hematology, Heme Consults is your personal space to rest, recharge, and renew your spirit with a weekly infusion of inspiration from hematologist Dr. Toyasi Anwemena. Every Sunday, Dr. Anwemena will remind you that you are a superstar and have everything you need to succeed in your incredible career as a hematologist. Welcome to the Hematology Sisterhood that will transform your world. Hello, welcome to the Heme Consults Podcast. I'm your host, Tayasi Anwemena. Superstar, amazing woman, wonder girl. Yes, many things. I am many things. I am also a hematologist relevant to this podcast. I am a physician leader. I am an entrepreneur. I am a scientist. And today I am here as your host and encourager on the Heme Consults podcast. Welcome. I started a series last week on mentoring, and I talked about a mentoring experience that was traumatic (laughs) and could be characterized as abusive. And today I have a different mentoring story. And the theme of this mentoring story is actually Esther 5. So I want to start first of all by reminding you Oh, woman of color in hematology, that you can do great things. And it's not just that you can do great things, it's that you have been doing great things. Actually, you've been doing impossible things. So great things we can see because, okay, someone's done it, we know it's great, but you've been doing actually impossible things. How far you have come in this journey of being in medicine and in hematology, whatever you've got there is actually improbable. You were one of the top one to 5% of people who applied and got into your program. So for those of you who are in medicine, you are one of the top one to 5% of people who did this whole pre-med thing and actually made it into medical school. And then not only did you make it into medical school, but you also finished medical school. You actually graduated because some people don't graduate, but you actually graduated and then you got into residency. And for those of you who are hematologists like me, you finished your residency program and then you did fellowship. You survived the craziness that was fellowship or you're surviving it wherever you are in your journey. It is an improbable, really, it's an improbable, improbable thing. How far you've come is incredible. And I just want to stop and I just want to celebrate that. Because many times we look ahead to all the things that we could be and all the things that we could do. And we forget just how far we have come. So I'm just going to ask you, I'm just going to ask you, please, just can we just pause and can we just acknowledge how far you've come? Can we just acknowledge the incredible things you have come through? Can we just acknowledge and celebrate the wonderful woman 
of color, the wonderful woman, the incredible person that you are. Can we just celebrate that? And I just want to thank you that you allow me to celebrate you, but most importantly, that you celebrate yourself. (laughs) Oh, woman of color in hematology, you are phenomenal. You are amazing. You are a force to be reckoned with. You don't just do great things. You do impossible things. And I'm excited for all the impossible things ahead of you that are yet to be done. Okay, let's talk about today's story. Last week, I shared a story of a mentoring relationship that I ultimately did escape. <laughs> and I'll think about a future, a future episode where I might share with you the way in which I escaped. But today, I do want to focus really more on thinking about this mentoring experience. I want to share with you about the story of a wonderful, wonderful mentor. Now, this mentor is really a phenomenal person. When you think about people who have published a lot, who have been funded a lot, who are well-known nationally and internationally, this is one of those mentors. And I really considered myself lucky when I had the opportunity to have this person as my mentor. And I will tell you that this person is really, really wonderful. If I say, hey, I need 10 minutes of your time, and this person has 10 minutes, they will give me all of their time, all of their attention. Anytime I needed a letter, I would template the letter and they would, without fail, turn the letter around for me. And this really is really all around a wonderful, wonderful person. I would go to to meetings across the country. And I would share with someone that this person was my mentor and they would pause and say, what? This person's your mentor? This person's awesome. This person's done great things. They've accomplished so much. (laughs) I consider myself to be really lucky to have this person as a mentor. And so we were meeting regularly because this, you know, was one of my established mentors and I would bring things that I was working on. I would get recommendations. I would share, let's say, for example, I would share an Ames page that I had written and this mentor would read it and say, yeah, looks good. Or I would share a project that I was working on and this mentor would be like, yeah, yeah, looks good. I mean, very, very supportive mentor. But I always got the sense that, I always got the sense that something was missing. (laughs) There was just always this sense of, something missing and I couldn't always put a finger on it. For example, I would go and I would really feel like, okay, I've really done something great. I've written this paper and it's so awesome. And then I would go show this mentor and they would read it and say, yeah, yeah, it's good. (laughs) And I think what I wanted was the sense of like, whoa, Tansy, look at what you did. This is so awesome. But instead I would just get a, yeah, yeah, it looks okay. It's good. looks good. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. (laughs) And I think over time, I I came to think or understand that, you know, that was just the way this person was, just not terribly enthusiastic about many things. Um, But there were also some things that kind of I, I was starting to notice. I really held this person in a place of high regard and high honor, a 
kind of would say sometimes I was in awe of this person. They were just so awesome. And they had accomplished so much. But sometimes I would find myself stumbling over my words when I would go into a meeting. I would be just, I would start a conversation. I would just like, <laughs> I'd have pressured speech and I would just be like, and then I did this and then I did that. And I would just, you know, run all my words together. This, in a sense, I was nervous in my meetings. I was nervous because I just kind of felt like this person is so awesome. And, and I want to demonstrate to them that I'm, I'm, you know, making good use of their time. And it really didn't matter what the meeting was, no matter what it was. It was always kind of the same response of like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. So I think I just decided that, okay, this person is just neutral. And I was just grateful for all the time that they gave me. I was grateful for every time that I could go into a meeting with them and they would share their thoughts. And actually, this person's super brilliant. Their thoughts were always good. Every time I would go, I would share a paper. I would come out with good feedback that would allow me to go transform the, the paper. I mean, this person really, really was, was, was great. But then there were some weird things. So, so now I'll start to share some weird things. So, so once I went to this mentor and I said, you know, I want to get promoted. And the mentor said, why? Why do you want to be promoted? <laughs> and I remember thinking, huh? Did you just ask me why I want to be promoted? Like, why wouldn't anybody want to be promoted? I mean, why am I here? Why am I here in academic medicine and not wanting to be promoted? And the mentor would be like, well, you know, everybody doesn't need to be promoted. What are you going to do with it? And I think I was really surprised by that. But, you know, I mean, I wanted to be promoted. And so, and I asked the question and kind of consistent with this mentor's way of behaving, this mentor, you know, shared with me, okay, these are the steps. But, but I started to notice things like that a little bit more where I would say, oh, I want to do this leadership. And the mentor would be like, why? Why do you want to do this? Or I'd be, you know, working towards a grant submission and it's a resubmission of a, of a resubmission of a resubmission. And my mentor would ask, why do you work so hard? <laughs> why don't you just go do clinic? And it was just weird. It was weird because on the one hand, this was such a wonderful person and I really looked up to them. But on the other hand, I had the sense that, okay, does this person not believe that I can? And I would just, you know, double down and I would work harder and I would, you know, publish the next paper and it would be like, look, I did it. And again, I would just be met with that kind of like, oh, okay, good, good, good. Uh, yeah, that looks good. But there was one day, there was one day where <laughs> I presented like this data that I was going to turn into this manuscript and this manuscript I had already submitted and that manuscript that I had already submitted. And it was the first time that. This mentor sat back and said, oh, wow, you're, you're really moving things forward. <laughs> and it was like, it was like an energy drink that day. It was like, oh, this mentor can see that I'm doing great work. Oh my goodness. I was just super excited. I was super excited. I mean, it just really carried me for several days that finally, in all of my years of meeting with this mentor, finally, they actually said something that was that was better than, oh, okay, that looks good. <laughs> anyway, so I came to accept the fact that, okay, this person was just neutral and, you know, not much excited this mentor until it, until it wasn't, until it wasn't okay. So there had been one person or a group of people in particular who I think had had some complaints about me and had come to this mentor to complain. And, and this mentor had sat with this party and 
laid out for them, okay? This is all hearsay, he said, she said. Why don't you from now on just start keeping a log? So this person had laid out for, my mentor had laid out for the person complaining against me. This is how you formalize this complaint against this person. You know, take notes, document everything that's happening so that there's a written record. So while that was going on, this is my mentor giving advice to somebody who has a concern against me. And I'm meeting with this mentor on a weekly, bi-weekly basis, and I hear nothing about it. Because in my mind, I think that if you're for me and you want me to succeed, if there's a concern that somebody else has raised and you happen to be an insider in my life, hey, we're meeting so regularly, then you would take time to say, hey, you know, you should be careful here and you should pay attention. At, At least I would think that I would get like a heads up of like, okay, this might be coming your way. Pay attention. Stay alert. That kind of thing. But and I later found this out, right? This is not something I knew at the time. But I did come back to think, wait a minute. When I, when I finally found out, I remember I, I, I stopped and I thought about it. I was like, wait a minute. I've always thought you were neutral. And maybe you were neutral. But as soon as there was a force that was moving against me, somehow you went towards supporting that force. And you didn't you didn't help me. I, I wasn't getting any help. That person who potentially was going to derail me in some way was getting help and attention. And I think there were a series of events that happened, and not all of them can I detail in this particular episode. But I think what ultimately happened is I started coming to a growing realization of, wow, this person is not for me. And I need to take a step back again and say that this is a wonderful person. This is someone who is well-respected, well-regarded all over the world, all over the country, at the institution. I mean, this is a really wonderful person. And I, and I would say this is a wonderful person. I would not say this person wasn't wonderful. But somehow, when it came to me, when it came to mentoring me, there was a gap. There was a gap between the wonder that I could see the wonder that people told me about every time I traveled and talked about this mentor and the experience, the experience I was having as a mentee. And it took me a long time, but I finally, when I got into a situation where there were winds against me and it became clear that this mentor who I had thought until this point was neutral actually kind of went with the wind in the direction against me. And I think I finally got to a point where I recognized that as wonderful as this mentor was, this mentor was not going to be the right mentor for me. And I think I started to recognize that I was putting in a lot of energy actually into trying to impress this mentor. And at the end of the day, I think I understood that this was a mentor who maybe would never be impressed. so now I'm gonna stop the story there and I want to share a couple of things from that space and it's interesting I will tell you that the energy I have specifically concerning this mentor is mostly good but it's also a sense of mourning and in the lesson that 
that makes me feel that way is that sometimes people can be so wonderful and yet not the right person for you. Is it possible that someone could be on paper the perfect mentor? They're published, they've got grant funding, they're in positions of authority, they're amazing. People all over the world think you're so lucky to have this one person as mentor and you agree that they're so awesome. It is possible that somebody is super awesome, but also not the right person to be your mentor. And it seems contradictory. It seems, it seems contradictory because the story that I told last week was about, oh, oh, this was an abusive relationship, clearly not the right person for me. But even there was a piece of wonderful people can do some weird things. <laughs> And in this situation, two things are true. This was both a wonderful person who was the wrong person for me. That's lesson number one, is that you recognize that both things can exist. That there are people who otherwise are great, but they're not the ones to lead you in the kind of mentoring relationship that you want. This was someone who as wonderful as they were, I couldn't get that wonder. I couldn't. Like the most I could get was a grudging, that looks good, that's okay. I mean, this person did give me a lot of their time and for that I'm grateful. But I wonder how much of my time would have been better spent elsewhere where I could have gotten more than just a listening ear. And that brings me to lesson number two. Sometimes when you are in awe of somebody, when you see how much they've accomplished, you miss how great you are. (laughs) You do. You miss the greatness that's in you. You know what? I am a great person. And this is not like a self-esteem, oh, I, you know... I'm trying, to, I'm trying to psych myself up. I've done a lot of great things. I've come through a lot. I have accomplished things that I actually didn't imagine that I could, and people didn't think I would come this far, but here I am. And sometimes when we look at people who are so far ahead of us, we're just so overwhelmed by how much they've accomplished, and we miss that we've also accomplished great things. And sometimes they seem to be better than us because they've accomplished more, but we miss that what's important is the substrate. We are the substrate of someone who can accomplish much. We can do great things. Like we, we are, we, we as substrate, we can do great things. Like there is just <laughs> greatness inside of us that comes out whatever, in whatever situation we're in. And sometimes the outward focus and someone who's got all the receipts, all the, all the things that people say we're supposed to have, makes us lose sight of that. And then we look to them to tell us who we are. We look to them to validate us. We look to them to to agree, to agree that we're okay, to agree that we're great. And when they don't, when this great person who's accomplished so much and everybody says is super awesome, doesn't acknowledge us, it can feel, it can feel bad. And then we start to ask, is there something wrong with us? 
<laughs> we start to wonder, is it just me? But it's not. It's the hyper-focus on someone else's greatness that leads us to miss our own greatness and our own potential to lead ourselves and succeed in anything that we want to. And so that was an important lesson for me to learn. I am somebody who's capable of greatness. I am somebody who's accomplished great things already. I may not yet have what other people ahead of me have, but I have the potential to accomplish all they have and more. And instead of looking outward to a person who, in a sense, is like God to me, I can look within myself to understand that the same seed of greatness that they carried that helped them accomplish so much is the seed that I have. And because of that, I don't need to look to them to tell me who I am because they don't know who I am. Another lesson that came out of this space is, is recognizing that there was a gap between me and this mentor. And I didn't make it explicit. I was trying to be as generic as possible, as you may have noticed. But this mentor had never seen someone like me succeed in any other way other than clinically. And so when I came and I said, hey, I want to be promoted, this mentor was like, why? I mean, it really was a real question. I was, I was thrown off by it, but it was a real question. Because I think this mentor was saying, I've never seen people like you be promoted. I've never seen people like you succeed in research. I've never seen people like you. When I go to those circles where there are people who have U54 grants or people who have R01s or people who lead large research programs, I don't see people like you at the table. And so to be honest, I'm not sure you can. And at that time, I don't think I recognized that, but I recognize it more now. Over time, it became more clear to me that what this person couldn't see in me was, was where I said I wanted to go. He just couldn't, this person just couldn't see people like me there. And so that person didn't believe, this person didn't believe that I could get there. And that's what leads me <laughs> to what I think now is my fourth lesson. I'm not keeping track right now. It's just that people can only gift you what they have. Where there is unbelief, people can only gift you their unbelief. And the struggle that I was experiencing in that relationship wasn't obvious to me because this was such a nice person. But what I finally recognized is that this person didn't believe that I could. And the only energy that could come from this person when I met with them was the energy of their unbelief. And when there came kind of like a challenge against me where someone was saying, well, this person is no good at X, Y, Z, and they were helping that person, you know, make the case against me, it was really just that they didn't believe I could. And so they could only confirm situations and circumstances that helped them kind of solidify that. Well, she's no good in the space. Okay, here's how we help get this person out of the space. 
just because I don't even believe Toyosi should be there. And so the only gift that could come out of the space of this mentoring relationship was what this mentor had. This mentor didn't believe I could. And every interaction was this mentor gifting that back to me. I don't believe in you. Here is my unbelief. And it came out to me in many different ways that I finally recognized. And you know, where people don't believe you can, not many great things can happen there. <laughs> and my final realization of that allowed me to say, okay, you are so wonderful. You are so great. And somehow you don't believe I can. And your unbelief is hurting me because sometimes I'm not believing in myself because of the way you respond to me. And for that reason, I need to put a stop to this interaction that we're having so that I can go somewhere else and get some faith and get some believing in myself because it really allows me to go further. Okay. <laughs> so what, what are my calls to action based on those lessons and based on that story? I think the first call to action is that you should believe in yourself first. You know, if I really knew and had a sense of who I was and the greatness that was inside me, which is more clear to me today than it has been before, I think I wouldn't have held this person in so much awe. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have tolerated this thing that was just kind of like a lukewarmness towards me for so long. If I had believed in myself from the beginning, I, I would have recognized that I didn't need from this person faith. That's what I wanted. I wanted them to validate me. I wanted them to say, hey, wow, Tuesday, you're doing a great job. And the first time this person did that, it really did give me energy. It was the thing I was looking for. But if you believe in yourself, then you don't need somebody else to give you that. Then you can just get from them what they can give you. Okay, this person's had experience getting big grants. I could just go and say, I just, I just need your experience getting big grants. But that wasn't that. I, was, I, I didn't believe in myself, and I hope this mentor would believe in me that would help me get to a space of believing in myself. But I, I didn't get that because this mentor didn't believe. And so I want to encourage you and call you to believe in yourself and do whatever it takes to believe in the seed of potential that you have. And sometimes that's going and finding people who do believe in you to gift you that gift of their faith. Hey, if your mama's still alive, your mama is one of those people. She just believes you can do anything. And yeah, she's not in medicine. And yeah, she can't help you with your grant writing or with your manuscript writing. But she believes you can do great things. Or maybe it's your dad. I don't know. There's someone in your life that believes you can do anything. Just go get faith from them. Don't ask a mentor to give it to you. <laughs> Some mentors do have faith in you, and that's awesome. And they'll give you their faith in you, and you can fly, you can soar because of them. But there are many mentors, and I think this may be more true for underrepresented minority folks. There are many mentors who don't believe, and so you don't go to them to get your belief. You believe in yourself, and you set up your own systems to encourage your faith in yourself. 
That's my first call to action. My second call to action is that you should just believe in the hugeness of your purpose. You are so great. The things you've come to do are so awesome. And to be honest, one person is not enough for you. And I think that's what I didn't recognize. This mentor was so awesome, super great, had accomplished many things. But part of why this mentor couldn't really, like, you know, get into me, I think, was because there was just so much more to me. You know, this mentor was like, well, why don't you just, why don't you just go back to the clinic? Why, why are you trying to do all this stuff? Because this mentor didn't recognize all the stuff that was in me, but I needed to. And when, when I finally got to the place where I believed and I understood the hugeness of my purpose, and I finally stopped asking this mentor to give it to me, I finally stopped saying, hey, can you believe in me? Because all of a sudden I could sense that I was going somewhere greater. And as wonderful as this mentor was, this mentor wasn't going to be the person to get me there. And so the first thing I asked you to do is believe in yourself. The second thing is believe in the hugeness of your purpose. You've come to make great change happen. You are a leader and you're first leading yourself. And you're going to do something amazing, something incredible, something awesome. And to be honest, frankly, you need many people on your team. You don't need just one person. I, I didn't need this just one mentor because I wasn't going to turn into this one mentor. What I'm going to do is eclipse my mentors. And that's the way it needs to be. And so when I started to recognize the hugeness of my purpose and recognize that, hey, you're so awesome, you're really wonderful, but whatever I'm going to do is going to be greater than what you've done. Then it allowed me to see that, okay, maybe this person just didn't fit. So wonderful, so great, but they didn't fit for me. And so I want to invite you to believe in the hugeness of your purpose and recognize that there are going to be many people, not just one, many wonderful people who are going to help you get there. In fact, if you look back on your journey, there's so many people who've helped you this far. And there's so many more people who are part of your journey and would encourage you to believe in the hugeness of your purpose. And the third call to action is maybe a call that I have made in an earlier podcast episode. And it's to stop. Stop putting your energy into trying to impress people. <laughs> Doesn't matter who they are. They are a mentor. They are a supervisor. They are your boss. Stop it. People who are not already impressed by you are unlikely to ever be impressed by you. It's not you. It's them. They don't see you as someone who could succeed in X, Y, Z. They're like, yeah, I can see that you could succeed in environmental services, maybe. But this medicine thing, are you sure? Can you do it? And you're like, oh, no, I can do it. I'm going to try my best. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to show you. What a waste of energy. Because number one, you can. They don't believe you can. So now you're like, okay, well, let me show you. But why? Why? So that you can impress them? <laughs> and that's what I was trying to do. There's not a judgment against you. I was trying to impress this person who I thought was so wonderful. I was like, I need you to be impressed by me because if you're impressed by me, then I know I'm wonderful too. But they weren't. And I was putting in a lot of energy to try to get this person to be impressed by me. And you know where that energy wasn't going? It wasn't going into the work that I came to do. And that's the challenge with trying to impress people is that you are putting so much energy in a space where it's just not going to yield very much. You have to ask yourself if it's worth it. You know, I finally did get, you know, the acknowledgement that I was looking for. This mentor finally one day said, oh, wow, you're doing good work. One day. And I was on this terrible high <laughs> and eventually came crashing down. 
Is that how I wanted to live my life? You know, waiting for the dopamine hit that would come from this mentor finally acknowledging that my work was good? What a waste of energy. And so I want to invite you. I want to invite you to stop putting energy into spaces to impress people who are not already impressed by you. Don't. Because the energy you have is to do something phenomenal, is to do something great. And when you take it out of trying to impress somebody, when you take it out of that box and you put it into the box in service of your purpose, so much greatness, so much good comes out of it. And it helps you put this mentor person, this wonderful, phenomenal person who's done so much into the right perspective. As someone who, like you, has activated the greatness on the inside of them. And it helps you recognize that they may be awesome, but you are awesome too. Yeah, so stop putting energy into spaces, trying to impress people, especially people who can never be impressed. And you know what? Even if they are impressed, don't, don't be impressed that they're impressed. Because you don't want to pause. And sometimes when people are impressed by you, you stop and you start being impressed by yourself. You're like, oh, yeah, I am good. And you waste time. And so whether they're impressed by you or they're not impressed by you, just don't put energy anymore into trying to impress. You instead put energy towards your purpose. So that's all I wanted to share today. I just want to remind you that you are great. Yeah, you don't feel great. But there is a seed of greatness inside you. It's like an oak, an oak tree. I mean, those trees get big and they're not the biggest trees ever. I think maybe the giant sequoia is one of those big trees. But you know what? They start out as like a really small seed. And maybe that's where you are. You're the seed that doesn't feel like much of an oak tree or much of a giant sequoia because you know what? You're just a seed. But the giant sequoia, the oak tree is inside you. It's inside you. And sometimes you look around at other giant trees and you're like, oh my gosh, they're so phenomenal. And they are. But then so are you. (laughs) So I want you this week to recognize the seed of the potential, the greatness that is in you. And I want you to recognize it. And I want you to own it. And I want you to celebrate it. As you go on in your week, Recognize the seed of greatness that is in you. Spread the joy. Spread the love. Spread the wealth all around. Because you're phenomenal. I recognize it. And you should too. Let's continue the conversation online at coagcoach.com. Have a great week. I'll see you next time.